Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of That's So Kvetch, where I talk about dating, Torah, and everything in between. Today's episode is all about self-sabotaging, a topic that I find difficult to discuss, but also really eye-opening, and in my research have discovered new parts about myself, and also just really enjoyed learning about stories in the Torah that also relate to self-sabotage, and I'm really excited to share all of the things that I've learned with you all today. Um, And just to start off with some updates, since I didn't have an episode last week, not that, you know, everyone here is really keeping up tabs, but you should just know that every time that a week passes by and I don't upload an episode, I'm like a little distraught and sad about it, and I like have to justify it, and it's just like this whole thing, but this is a passion project, right? And I'm here to just do it when I can, as much as I can, and I really do love doing it. So, sorry about last week. Basically, uh, what's been up in my life? I got sick this week for the third time in a row. I wonder if you can hear my voice. Also, exciting news, I got a new microphone. Um, So, I got it on Amazon Prime Day, which was like a big thing this week, and I'm excited about it. I feel very professional, and I can really hear all the outside noises now that I have my microphone and my headphones like I'm finally like a legit podcast person so it's about time right but I feel good about this one because I've gone through a couple microphones and things haven't worked out sounds similar to my dating life and I just this one feels good there's something good about it it's pink it's professional I got my everything all this things going on so first of all third cold. I'm not sure if this is like a post-COVID socializing, like let's all get sick because we're finally socializing with each other or whatever it is. So that's one. And that's been pretty hard hoping to get better for this weekend so that I can go out and keep partying because life is short. So that's one. Um, The last episode was all about social exhaustion. And I just want to say you're not alone if you've been experiencing this like FOMO of every single day knowing that something really fun is happening in New York somewhere and just kind of like obsessively scrolling time out and thinking like okay like what am I going to do this fun thing next and the nights that I spend at home I'm like okay that's like a whole night feels like the biggest loss in the whole world and it's so unnecessary and this is a feeling that I did not have Um, for a long time because there was not much going on and now there's so much going on around comedy shows and brunches and picnics and all sorts of things that I just can't keep up with apparently my body is just telling me like girl you gotta slow down so that's one um and other things I've been able to enjoy a lot of things that I used to really enjoy in pre-pandemic life like live music and dancing um that's felt really amazing So I went to Daybreaker last week, which is a morning yoga dance party on Friday, and it was so transcendent, just like being back and dancing with everyone. It's basically a morning dance party at 6 a.m. in various venues in New York City, and it was just so much fun to be back, and I felt like I was really returning home to something. Um, And the night before, I heard some live music, which... I like was able to tap into a part of my personality that was just dormant for so long just like relaxing and listening and then also like releasing and dancing like these are all like really important parts of who I am so it's been really nice to 
do those things also having gone through COVID and like there's this like renewed sense of myself and I feel freer and more outgoing and happier and just feel like everyone is happy to be back and I think before the pandemic I was a little bit shyer and I'm trying to sort of just like leave that with the pre-pandemic me and focus on how I can be more giving and noticing of others and especially of service workers just thanking them and being kinder to all the people around me on a regular basis so like my neighbors just everyone that I interact with and it's been really great I don't know why I waited this long to do it honestly I'm really excited it's June I'm kind of sad that it's almost over June is my favorite month of the year although I realized I say that about a few months I really love October and November but June is a great month and that's because and I have this like months of the year theory like I very much think like every month of the year has its personality and as I keep growing in this life I notice that each month like continues to feel that way um like I think April's like kind of just like one of the worst months ever like it's just like this weird transitional awkward month same with May April and May are kind of awkward although May has like the start of summer which is nice June is great because there's this like it's a state of transition for people it's very uncertain for a lot of people and but it's also there's like this ephemeral summery fling free state of life that I find so like it's a scary time but it's also so like intense in a beautiful way that like everything is changing and these are like the last times of our life to be experiencing certain moments but also it's awesome because everyone's like happy and excited and it's summer um, and I just feel like it's so real and it's so raw and especially now with you know summer 2021 it's there's like just a lot of carpe diem spirit in the air of like life is short so we must be ourselves and pursue our passions and I've just noticed a lot of my friends and the people around me making changes in their lives to better themselves or to better their experience in life and whatever it is I've just been really excited and honestly a little bit overwhelmed to just witness all of the exciting changes in people's lives and I hope that you know obviously I'm talking from the perspective of someone in New York but that in other places the pandemic is really raging that we are able to get to a place where the pandemic is less volatile and causing much less suffering in the world then and it can improve in other places so and also just a last point is that I want to give space to social anxiety specifically because I think it's something that I've struggled with a lot and have not necessarily put a name to it and it's something that I feel a little bit less of now that I'm out of the pandemic and out of you know like numbers are lower because I feel like it's not right to say out of the pandemic because I just don't think we're fully out there yet even though right now things seem great in the past I've felt like I have tried very hard to fit into a certain type of person and I have just felt so freed recently to not be anything for anybody else and I know that it can seem like okay obviously like yeah you do you for yourself but like this is something I've really struggled with and have felt like I am often trying to like in some capacity please someone else either if it's a guy that I'm dating or 
pursuing or thinking about, you know, this person might possibly, I might want to date them, therefore, like, I need to be this certain way for them, um, or even just, like, friends, but really it's more so in dating that I feel like I have to be a certain way, um, and that's something I've struggled with, but recently I've just felt like, you know, last summer there was no one around, and I was just, like, living my best life, being free in whatever I wore, and for me, dress is very, like, emotional, um, choice, so, like, recently I just feel like I'm free to dress more freely, and it doesn't, I don't have that, like, voice in my head that's saying, like, oh, like, you know, you, you're gonna ruin your chances with certain people, because, like, you're dressing this way, and this is like a very niche topic that only certain people like could really understand, but like to be able to go out in like a crop top and jeans and just feel like totally free and without judgment and just like, even if there is someone out there judging me, like I, I want to do this and this is for me. So I'm not going to not do it because of that. That's a very freeing feeling. And also newsflash people don't care as much as we think they do and bottom line is that turning 25 was really beautiful for me <laughs> even though it started off with a crisis I have just like lived so much for others and I'm really feeling done with that and I'm excited about this whole new side of myself to explore and yeah and then the last update is that I recently decided to take a break from dating I feel like I'm so dramatic but you know people who are listening here are hopefully a little bit interested and yeah I'm just feeling like that's kind of something I want to do and it's also kind of like on the cusp of like doing things for other people like I feel this like huge societal pressure to get married and like even if I'm like not ready or just like figuring out my own life now like I got to keep going out there and keep going on dates because that's like what's expected of me and like of course I want a husband and I want kids and all of those things but also like I just feel like if I'm thinking realistically about what I want for myself right now, it's none of that. just want to be with friends and enjoy the summer. And I deleted my apps two weeks ago, and I just don't intend on re-downloading them. And we'll see how that goes. But I have had little moments of wanting to, but otherwise it's just been nice to have my mind be so clear. And yeah, I definitely feel like it's a little bit of a challenge, but I'm also really excited about it and excited about being able to just spend time with people that I love. So anywho, let's get into today's loaded topic and that is self-sabotaging, which is somewhat relevant to my life right now, but also just in general, I feel like has a relevance throughout life and in moments when we want something and are not quite getting it, we find ways to reach very very hard for that thing that we want even if it's not coming from a place that is the best and so yeah I read a really great and thorough psychology article about the phenomenon of self-sabotage and different ways that it manifests so I'm going to go through some of them without going in too much detail because I think there were some that related more to me at the time at this moment and also just others that like were pretty intense so let's just get right into it so I just want to share the intro of this article because I feel like it kind of encapsulates a little bit what self-sabotage is all about why do I keep doing this how does this keep happening to me you might ask yourself these questions when you feel trapped in patterns that create problems in your life and keep you from achieving your goals. 
Although you try to make changes and disrupt these patterns, somehow you end up in the same place again and again. If this sounds familiar, you could be sabotaging yourself. Self-sabotage refers to behaviors or thought patterns that hold you back and prevent you from doing what you want to do. What does it look like? You can sabotage yourself in a number of ways. Some are obvious, but others are a bit harder to recognize. So I just want to go through the different ways that self-sabotaging manifests as presented in this article that I read online. The first one is blaming others when things go wrong. If you tend to find fault elsewhere whenever you face difficulties, it may be worth taking a closer look at the part you played in what happened. Number two, choosing to walk away when things don't go smoothly. When you can't face conflict or criticism and maybe perhaps you doubt your own ability so it leads you to do things that disrupt your performance or keep you from thriving at work or in other places in life procrastination and if you're you know you've done all your research and you're prepared to sit down only to find that you can't begin your motivation just completely disappears and you do anything else not to face what you have to do picking fights with friends or partners Maybe you're someone who's ready to argue even when things don't really matter and just starting to provoke reactions from people. Dating people who aren't right for you, which is one that I'm going to unpack after this. Self-sabotaging behaviors often appear in relationships. Dating people who don't check all your boxes is one common type of relationship self-sabotage. You might point, keep dating a similar type of person, although your relationships keep ending badly. Bullet two, try to make things work with a partner who has very different goals for the future. Stay in a relationship that's going nowhere. Maybe you're monogamous, but keep developing attractions to non-monogamous people. You give non-monogamy a try more than once, but end up frustrated and hurt each time. Or you want kids, but your partner doesn't. Everything else is working, so you stay in the relationship secretly hoping they'll change your mind. By falling into these patterns, you're preventing yourself from finding someone who's a better match long-term. Trouble stating your needs. If you have a hard time speaking up for yourself, you may have a hard time getting all of your needs met. And this could happen in family situations, friends, work, romantic relationships, and everyday interactions. And then lastly, putting yourself down. Engaging in habit of negative self-talk is something that is part of self-sabotage. Saying things like, I can't do anything right. I won't make it, so why should I bother? Or, wow, I'm really messed up. I'm terrible at this to yourself is another way that people self-sabotage. So... I wanted to go back to the one about dating because I think that's one that really relates to me in general and something that I know is true about myself is that I'm a I'm someone who enjoys the finer things in life and I really crave adventure which is great but I think there's also like a negative flip side that kind of fits into the dating self-sabotage where like when it's at its best I'm going out I'm enjoying life I'm having fun I'm seeing friends but like when it's at its worst I'm pushing for experiences that don't need to happen because I really want to just like experience life and even if it's going to bring me to a place of pain I'm like this is worth it like I I have to do this because it's going to fill some kind of like void in me and fulfill my bucket list need so Sometimes I feel like it makes me stay in things or pursue romantic relationships that aren't the best for me. And at the same time, I think it's also an argument can be made that 
it's good to be open-minded about relationships and give everything a shot because sometimes these relationships that I'm like oh it was just self-sabotage like some of them could have worked out and you never know and before that I just wanted to share a story because I feel like I haven't done that in a while from my dating past that relates to this topic and also just you know like I love sharing funny stories and charming stories and glamorous stories but I think it's also really powerful to share stories that are a little bit more difficult so that we can all collectively experience them and then move on and close the door and open a new one so back in the day when I was in college I was dating someone and I whatever it was like a kind of a messy relationship it was six months kind of on and off like before and after and just like the the beginning and the end were very hazy so unfortunately after we had ended our social circles were really entrenched and I decided like whatever we basically after we ended we were in a lot of extracurriculars together I do not recommend this that like if you're dating someone in college that you like do all your extracurricular activities together because by the off chance that you do end which is very possible to happen you are stuck like coordinating things with them so I was literally like broken up with this person and then not like two three weeks later I was having to coordinate like a event with a cheesecake and a shewer with this person of like oh like can you pick up the cheesecake from my most favorite and he's like oh why don't you come with me and I'm like well can't you do it yourself and it was like actually horrible rom-com times um definitely really glad that that chapter of my life is over but needless to say at some point in this hazy post breakup very involved extracurricular time of my life we ended up texting like kind of in denial of the state of our relationship and kind of being a little flirtier and you know I went to Stern it's like a thing to see guys in the library and get together with your guy friends in the library and mainly I got together with two of my Houston friends in the library which was a good like a good deal for me because I was able to like see the other guys in the library but also like have my own guys that I was with that I wasn't like into like very friend zone and I could just like relax with and not really be like involved in like the ooh like who's who like what's going on and stuff like that anyways so it was like normal you know you go to the library (laughs) if people are not from Stern they're gonna be like this is so weird but yeah we this is how we got our male interaction like we had to travel uptown to have our male interaction so this is what it is you have to get out there and like really work hard for it when you go to a school filled with women you gotta really travel away so back to the texting we were texting it was like flirty and then it was like oh for sure like I'm coming to the library this night like we'll hang out and me and him were like yeah like talking as though like we hadn't had so much drama with each other and like that we weren't broken up we were like oh yeah this is chill this is fun and then I met up with him because I was like, oh, I really have to study for this midterm. So I went up to study for this midterm and we sat next to each other. And my guy friend, who I mentioned earlier that I would like go see casually in the library, like passes us like giggling and like doodling like on each other's papers. And he's like, Rebecca, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, it's fine. We're just friends. He looks at me like, oh, my God, this is a terrible idea. 
it is. In any case, we're chatting, we're writing, and I'm like, I don't know why. I think it was like a Judaic midterm, and it's unclear why I was so stressed about it, but I just remember being very stressed about it and feeling not ready at all. And so last shuttle leaves at 2 a.m. to go back to Stern College for women. And I said, no, I'm I'm going to, like, I need to study, I need to study. And then it's like 1.50, I'm like, okay, I gotta go. I have to make that shuttle. Like, it's the last one. Um, and my ex is like, oh, like, you like, okay, like, let's go. And then we're going and like, miss the shuttle. Cause like, I guess I just like, wasn't doing my timing. Right. And I was like, Oh no, like I missed the shuttle. What am I going to do? And he's like, well, you know, like, since you're already here and you're not feeling so prepared for the test yet, like you should just come over and then like, you can study at my place and then you'll be more prepared for the test. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'll go. Um, but like I'm, I need to focus. Like I'm gonna be there for 45 minutes, and then I'm just gonna like take a subway back. Um, not a subway. Oh my God, I am gonna Uber back because I'm not gonna subway at 2:45 a.m. So I get there, and this from this story, I like created this golden rule with my friends, where we were like never miss the 2 a.m. shuttle. Like it was like a thing we would say. Like if you miss the 2 a.m., like it's just bad news for the Jews because, especially like I was a big partier in college, and like. If everyone's really drunk and it's past 2 a.m., like, you know, there's just not much happening aside from, like, hooking up with the wrong people after 2 a.m. So, back to the story. Uh, It's a good foreshadowing. Anyways, get to his place, studying. I'm at his desk. He's, like, sitting on a bed. He's also studying. And then I, like, go over to the bed and I'm like, oh, like, I'm done studying. And then he's like, all right. And then we like proceed to do this weird thing where we like casually are cuddling but are pretending like nothing is happening kind of it's it's very strange like it's as strange as it sounds like i like lay down and then i like nuzzle his neck and i'm like oh i'm i'm just studying like i just need to get comfortable like it's ridiculous lo and behold at some point finally we're kissing and I'm like oh my gosh in my head I'm thinking like this is what it feels like to hook up with an ex like great I'm crossing this off of my bucket list like it's amazing like I missed it like it's been so long and here I am back here and then we hook up whatever we make out and I'm like okay like I want to go um and there's like a couple like difficult conversations during the hookup where I'm like I he like wants to kind of go to the next level and I'm like no like we don't do that anymore and he's like why like we we dated (laughs) we did all of that stuff and I was like things have changed I'm so dramatic (laughs) bottom line is finally I get myself out there and I like uber home and I like have this moment where I'm sitting in the car and everything is bliss for a split second where I think like I did it. This is great. I'm powerful. He wanted something. I didn't give it to him. And now I'm going home and I'm going to just wake up tomorrow and be great. Also, as I was leaving, I told him like, this means nothing. Don't talk to me. Don't text me. We are not at all together anymore. And he's like, all right, fine. Fast forward next day. I'm like, "Mm, was that the best idea? Also, my sister was like, oh, Rebecca, what did you do? I'm like, oh, you know, it's fine. But sometimes it takes us a little bit of time to process. And then a few days later, we're like, shit, what did I do? You know, a few days later, I text him. I'm like, how have you not texted me? I can't believe it. 
we did that and you just didn't talk to me at all after and he's like Rebecca you told me not to text you but you shouldn't have listened to me and you would text me anyway anyways crazy me but also like I can I get that like you guys would understand so fine moving swiftly along that's basically the story and I bring it up because I self-sabotaged myself completely there and just like let myself pretend that like I wasn't doing what I was doing and to be fair I think he was also partially involved in the self-sabotage and like it's possible that he also wanted to have the experience of like ooh, hooking up with the next the worst thing in the world so I was like it's almost like if you see a jar of cookies and it says like forbidden on it you're like well why is it forbidden like what's so forbidden about it maybe if I try one it'll be okay and nothing will happen that's basically what I did when I hooked up with him and yeah that's the golden rule if any of you are still at Stern College for Women never miss at 2am unless you are not like me at all and in a different circle and just like something like this would never happen to you it's very possible but just know that that good not great things happen after the 2am And so back to our topic of self-sabotage. The reason why I self-sabotage is because I love the story and I'm a romantic and it's beautiful. And that's why we have such a great, fun podcast here. But also I'm being honest with myself and I think like, is it worth it? I want to say yes, but I'm not really so sure. And I, I think that it's something that I'll grow out of, to be honest this feeling of like needing the adventure just feels very like related to the instability that is present in my life right now. And I think that when things settle down a little bit more, it'll just feel a little bit less relevant. Um, But I think these things come and go. And also like today I'm painting myself as this person who's like a constant self-sabotager who just like gets into these relationships that don't work out and like keeps pushing for relationships that don't work out or things like that but I also have like gone on a bunch of real dates where I was pretty serious and still go on dates and I think just like recently in my life self-sabotage has felt like a very uh, relevant topic but yeah these episodes are just meant to be workshops for our feelings if any of this relates or not you know we're just stopping our lives to talk about the things that are less glamorous because they are real and Yeah, I'm just going to finish this part off with an analogy before we go back to the article of my favorite flower, which I've decided is a rose. Reason why I love roses is because back when I was going through a breakup with a high school boyfriend, I drew this picture of a rose and I wrote, if there's a will, there's a way. And I was very angsty, but also like, has anything really changed? In any case, I always look back and think about how each petal of a rose is sort of like an obstacle in your life and that there's so many obstacles and they're all like intertwined and layered on each other just as a rose's petals are and they may seem like it's terrible and difficult but when you see the rose in its entirety with all the obstacles together it's so full and beautiful even though it's hard and scary it's full and it's complete and I think that That is why I love a rose, because it represents this difficulties of life and this multifaceted nature of life, but that in its entirety, it's a beautiful existence. And that's why I also feel like it's okay that we self-sabotage, because it's just another part of life that exists.
And I'm just going to briefly return to the article on the psychology of self-sabotage to talk about what causes it and among some big contributing factors include patterns learned in your childhood, past relationship dynamics, and just fear of failure, a need for control, and also something I saw in another article was just sheer boredom, which I feel like sometimes is true, you know, just wanting to like stir up some drama in your life. Um, and I feel like this is just the tip of the iceberg and I'm no mental health therapist, so I'm not going to like go into the deep seated reasons why this is true. So that's not really the purpose of this episode, but I think in order to really understand ourselves and our self-sabotaging behaviors, it takes work, it takes time. And so back to some comic relief, because that's the main importance of things on the ever-important note of remembering that you are not alone, I, with the help of close podcast listeners, found examples of our good old sages from the Torah engaging in some self-sabotaging behaviors. And we're going to talk about the story of, I don't even know how to pronounce this, Jephta, which was in last week's Haftorah in Parsha Hukat. And then I just said that strangely, Hukat never really say it out loud, Jephthah, and then also Shimshon. And we're going to start with Shimshon, see how it goes, maybe go more into Jephthah, or maybe just like keep it at Shimshon, and then like briefly summarize Jephthah. So here we go. And before I start, it's actually interesting, because I read an article about Shimshon from My Jewish Learning, and then I read another article in Chabad.org. And the one in My Jewish Learning really painted Shimshon as like this womanizer, and the one in the Chabad article did acknowledge his womanizing ways, but also really focused a lot on like how good of a person he was. So I'm going to bring in the womanizing side of Shimshon, and then I'm also going to give space for the side of him that people consider as a good person. Um, so we begin. When most people hear the name Shimshon, they think of Delilah, his treacherous paramour who discovers the source of his superhuman strength and then robs him of it. But there is a lot more to the biblical Shimshon and to the woman associated with him than Delilah. Shimshon is the final judge in the book of Judges, which describes the leaders of Israel after the death of Yeshua, Moses' successor and before the monarchy, beginning with King Shalom and David. So there are many women involved in Shimshon's life. Firstly, with his mom giving birth to him, we learn that he's a supernatural figure, that his he had this radiate radiation from his skin and that he the text says that he looked like an angel of god and then goes on to talk about another love interest of his which is an unnamed philistine from tinmana and his parents are really upset about it and there's a whole story with a riddle and the bride and basically he abandons this wife and goes home finds his wife is married to someone else blah 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 we're gonna move past this just I'm bringing up all the women to show that he is a little bit of a womanizer a little bit um let's just say and then the next very brief one tells how Shimshon was ambushed while visiting another woman an unnamed prostitute in Gaza and escaped by carrying off the city gates here here he does not wait until the spirit of the Lord alight upon him, but is naturally super strong. And this brings us to the last story about Shimshon's fourth woman, who is finally named Delilah, a word that may be etymologically related to the word for hair. Interesting. This story assumes that Shimshon is strong, 
due to the hair he has grown in fulfillment to the Nazarite vow. So just to give some context, Shimshon is a Nazir, and Nazirs are people who devote themselves to God, and they don't do various things like cutting their hair or drinking wine, so that's also like an important piece of context to bring to the story. So we also learn in the story that his superpower is his hair, and that once his hair is shorn, he loses his power. Cool. Kind of like Greek mythology. So, and this brings us to the fourth woman, Delilah. Shimshon's downfall ultimately came at the hands of another Philistine convert he married, Delilah. And the story goes like this. One day, the Philistine lords came to Delilah and offered her great wealth if she were to discover the secret to her husband's strength. If she would aim them in capturing him, they would reward her handsomely. So she's in this secret deal with other people, maybe to find out what the secret of her husband Shimshon's strength is. And so how would she do it? Every day, Delilah would torment her husband, trying to lure his secret from him. A few times, Shimshon gave her made-up explanations, but Delilah was relentless. She says, if you bind me with seven moist ropes, then my strength will dissipate. Sorry, Shimshon told her. If you bind me with new ropes that were never used, I will become like an ordinary man. Also, like, let's just point out that these ropes are, like, kind of sexual. So let's just, like, let that sit. If you place my hair on a weaving rod, I will become weak. Weird. Fetishy. What's going on? Each time, Delilah would try the methods on Shimshon while he slept. Not, no questions. Each time she would cry, Shimshon, the Philistines are upon you. It's like some weird, I can't even like entertain this so much. And Shimshon would rise to his full night, might completely unaffected by whatever she tried. It's like weird game. Dearful, tearfully, Delilah told him, how can you say I love you while your heart is not with me? These three times you have mocked me and you have not told me where in your strength is so great. She's very manipulative because you know, she's just trying to kill him. Finally, Shimshon told her the secret of his strength. A razor has never come upon my head, for I am a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I will be shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any man. So finally, Shimshon admits to Delilah where his power is. It's in his hair. This time, the treacherous Delilah knew that Shimshon was telling her the truth. She hastened to summon the Philistine's lord to her house. When Shimshon was asleep, one of the men cut his locks off, and then Delilah cried, Shimshon, the Philistines are upon you. Shimshon jumped up, prepared to defend himself, but the divine strength he had possessed had departed from him, and the man who lay in wait easily overcame him. The heartless Philistine gouged out his eyes, yikes, and led him to Gaza in chains. So the Talmud teaches that Shimshon was punished in his eyes because he looked at the Philistine women and desired them. Although God desired that he marry them, nevertheless, his personal motives were not entirely pure, as he has also desired them for himself. Wow, what a story. I love these, like, random stories in the Torah where, like, women act kind of manipulative and kill men. I don't know. I think it just, like, kind of entertains a side of me that, like, would enjoy potentially creating some like wild revenge on someone that I was upset about but also like wouldn't do so so like I would I would live vicariously through these stories because the me that I am now is not going to act so violently but let's just say Shimshon was kind of a self-sabotager I mean am I right like he was out there with the women and did not have pure intentions and it bite like it bit him in the butt and 
I'm bringing the story because, and I don't think I'm going to go into detail with Jephta today because there is only so much time in one episode and I just like, ooh, so much energy like with the solo podcast episodes, there's so many stories in the tour to go into and I'm really grateful to shout out to my friend Daniel who like gave me all these stories and like really enjoyed researching, just have to say. Um, and maybe I'll cover the story of Jephta in a different one, but basically he just to give the short version of the story like set, makes this vow that like whoever comes next into the house he's going to sacrifice and then his own daughter walks in and there's like a lot of commentaries about whether or not he actually sacrificed his daughter when she walked in and it was really interesting to read like the nuances be time like oh well like his vow like had some issues in it so like he was actually able to save her but then she ended up going to an island for two months and like just being a reclusive person and crying a lot so like it really didn't do very much good for her and the argument can be made that he was kind of self-sabotaging like himself when he made that vow so that's one some honorable mentions one that i think is super apropos um haman in the story of Megilla esther i feel like is a very obvious one because he's like trying to make this whole plot happen and like when he he just like messes up he gets uh, in the wrong situations and self-sabotages himself by like having these parties with Esther not knowing that like Mordecai obviously can know <coughs> we feel bad for him but he's also like the villain of the story um and same with Paro which I thought was a good one that my friend brought up because he's constantly like not giving in and he just has like all these plagues coming to him and hardening his heart and he's just like no like I I gotta keep doing this but like kind of self-sabotaging like he could just give up and like make his life a little bit easier perhaps um he really wanted to he just like was stubborn like I feel like self-sabotagers can be stubborn people they're just stuck in their ways and any case thank you all so much for listening we're gonna conclude here because this has been a great long and lovely awesome episode but my conclusion is that we're just bringing up self-sabotaging to acknowledge that it's a thing sitting with parts of ourselves that we consider weaknesses but also recognizing that these weaknesses can be really seen as strengths and in my case craving adventure craving intimacy yeah it's great but it's also bad but it's also great and it has like two sides of one coin on the one hand it's important to be accountable for the things that we do and it's important to acknowledge where we fall short but at the same time we control our story and we don't have to be stuck in what we believe about ourselves we all have these sub stories that we tell about ourselves because they help us understand like why things don't go right it's like oh well that's because you know i'm this person and and this is why it never works for me but only these stories are only one part of the sum of our whole beings and i wanted to just end off by sharing a moment where i reframed and you know saw an opportunity and decided like this is not like i'm going to change how this story looks in my head and so i recently kind of got out of a situationship and i went and day later there was a bar downstairs that just opened in my building and it's so exciting and I met neighbors there and we were all bonding about the laundry on the side the first night I went there I just wanted to go to check it out I didn't I was like coming back from 
hanging out with my sisters and I was like, I have to go in here. This is new. And then I go in and I was like chatting with the bartenders because, you know, new post pandemic me is very chatty. Um, and then I said, and I was like, oh my gosh, like me and this dude that I was with, like talked all the time about how like this bar needs to open. And I was like, damn, I really want to tell him. Like, I can't believe the timing. The second that it ended, I can't text him and be like, oh, like this bar open. Um, but I heard this song that come on, that came on. It's called On Melancholy Hill by Gorillaz. And I've been just like listening to it. And it was this really hard moment. I was like, oh, I want to like message him. And this is so sad and depressing that I like won't because I want to like heal parts of myself. But then in that moment, I also realized like this is also like a potential for my very first memory post the relationship that's like just mine and that I can like hold on to myself. Like perhaps this bar isn't meant to be the bar that me and him go to and perhaps it's the bar that I'm meant to like, you know, enjoy all on my own. And I really feel like I reframed and kind of regained my independence in that moment. And instead of seeing the bar as like in the opening and me sitting there as like, something I needed to share with someone it was something I could like really keep for myself and like see as like I was like oh my gosh like this is my first memory that's like not about him that's like awesome and about me and so yeah my blessing to you all is that if you have a story about yourself that you tell yourself think we all have them try to think about a new story that you can tell about yourself through a lens of self-compassion and I've kind of beat this to the bullet but in my case you can see this craving adventure as feeling like I'm I'm a curious person I'm explorer I enjoy life and I'm interested in love of course but also in people and life experiences and but I can also be responsible I'm sure I could afford to be more responsible but I think a core belief in myself is that I don't think we always need to be responsible all of the time. So my blessing to you is that you be kind to yourself and that you allow for growing pains, that you remember your awesomeness and remember to not take yourself so seriously um, and just have a balance, you know, sing songs out loud and don't be afraid to be yourself and sing your song out loud and, you know, shake your hips a little, bop your head around and just appreciate yourself and life and know that we are all on this shared journey together. So that's my ending. I really hope that you all enjoyed this episode and I hope that you will stay tuned for the next one. And I can't wait to chat again.